0: Welcome to A gamer Story. I'm Noah Geekis, avid fan of gaming and gamers alike. Each episode will feature in-depth conversations with gamers from all areas of gaming. Have you ever wondered about the actual gamers themselves? Their motivations? Their home lives? Their quirks? Just how much time they actually spend gaming, and their thoughts on the future of gaming itself? Join me as I ask them just these questions. Are you ready? I'm very excited to welcome our special guest for today's episode of A Gamer Story. Former Ivy League athlete, entrepreneur, educator, and founder of Next Up Esports, Luke Ceylon. Luke is bringing his experience and love of traditional sports, along with his marketing experience, to the world of esports and video games. He created his own company, Next Up Esports, and describes it as the Little League of Video Games. Let's get started. First of all, hello, Luke. I'm really excited to talk to you about your esports business today. Are you ready?
1: Yep, I'm ready to go. Thanks for having me.
0: No problem at all. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your uh, esports background and how you got started in esports and gaming?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I grew up playing games really casually, not at a competitive level whatsoever, but had a lot of really good experiences playing uh, mostly the Blizzard titles. World of Warcraft, Warcraft 3, Starcraft and Diablo, and all all the the sequels to those games. And then it wasn't until I got into the working world that I kind of by chance got into the esports scene. And that was in late 2015, when there was still a, it was a very immature industry at that point, but there was significant interest from the owners of professional sports teams, from brands who wanted to advertise to the esports fan. And so it was uh, I got there by chance. It turned out to be awesome. I really loved it. Uh, I could I was learning a lot and because the the business was just was, was changing so rapidly every single day, that's what I that's what really made me wanted to stick around long term because it was such an interesting challenge.
0: So in the community, what about it made you want to stick around? And what games did you play?
1: So, well, right now, I'm really only playing probably League of Legends, and I maybe get in five or six games a week as a way to kind of relax after maybe a long day of work or, like, socialize with some friends. I loved, so I, like I said, I played World of Warcraft, had a great time doing that. Warcraft 3, I think, was probably where I put the most hours in, playing a lot of, like, custom games, which, funny enough, was kind of like the predecessor for a lot of games that we see now so i can remember playing a game mode called dota or defense of the ancients and having a lot of fun with friends doing it and it wasn't until i got back into the gaming world so that was when i was in you know seventh grade probably then when i you know 10 years later i start working in the gaming world that i realized that that old game mode that i was playing in warcraft 3 turned into Dota 2, League of Legends, Heroes of the Storm, Smite, like they created a new genre of game and became the most popular genre in the world and with some of the most popular games in the world. So that was like a really interesting thing. And actually, I think gave me a bit of a leg up because I knew what was going on, even though I had been removed from playing for many years. So that uh, I think that was kind of fun, and that's what it, that's what like stuck out to me is no, I guess the reason to get back to your question is, why did I, why did I stay? or what, what really got me interested in this? So the competitive like the eSports community was still very grassroots at the time. It was teams that were not you know not financed well, if at all. They were generating a little bit of money through some sponsorships or money they're making from streaming their play on Twitch or or other streaming sites at the time. But they were looking at traditional sports, which is which is really my background. They were looking to traditional sports to help kind of revolutionize the industry from the team perspective, the the league perspective, engaging with fans, building a revenue or building a new business model for the teams that was actually sustainable. And so I had a, at the time like a unique advantage because I, I was working in sports and I understood how the sports business works. And so as people are asking the questions, well, how do we make esports more sustainable or how do we generate money? Well, we had a lot of those answers. We knew what the what the blueprint looked like to create a sustainable esports organization. And so now the challenge became: well, how do we take those best practices from traditional sports? And bring them to esports, but still stay true to the reason why people love esports and people love video games. And that is, uh, frankly, that's still a challenge that uh, that everybody is dealing with and will always continue to deal with. And that's, I think, like one of the really fun parts.
0: Yeah, I think that esports is definitely less popular than regular sports, but it's they still have things in common. And they still are, and, and esports is definitely still really new
1: and and can still grow and and become something even better than
0: it already is. Yeah, you're totally right. So where does esports fit in the gaming world?
1: Esports is actually a very small subsection of the overall video game industry. The way I like to explain it to people is using like a a basketball analogy. Esports is similar to the NBA. You have very few people who are actually competing but you have many more who are fans who are watching or going to games and buying t-shirts and hats and all that kind of stuff, what being a fan means, right? Now, but aside from that, you can love video games and you can love basketball, but maybe not be a fan of esports or be a fan of the NBA. You know, there's, there's many more people who play pickup basketball or participate in youth recreational programs or intramural programs at college than there are who play in the NBA, right? so video games is very much like that you or i can have a great time playing any video game that we want and be big fans but we don't have to follow the professionals and so that's really the separation is the people who are getting paid to play these games and the ecosystem that you can build around those competitions versus casual fun play that anybody can participate in
0: i personally like esports but i think that some people don't like it but they still like video games like i have friends who don't like esports and who really like video games and i respect their opinions on that and it does seem to be like a small part of a big gaming world that is getting larger because gaming keeps expanding
1: yeah definitely is
0: and um i think that hopefully hopefully esports gets bigger as well because i think that it's such a, a fun thing and i think that it's a a great competitive part of the gaming community. So for it to grow it would, would be great for the fans and it would also allow more people to um, get to see it and understand it. That's my, That's my perspective.
1: Yeah. One of the things I like about esports a- and video games in general is, I think something, it's also similar to traditional sports in some way, but we can play the same version of a game that somebody is playing in Asia or South America or Europe. And even though there's a language barrier that separates us, the game is still the same and you can still enjoy the game. You can compete with or against those people and still have a really good time doing so. Just like soccer is such a global sport and it doesn't matter what language you speak, you can watch and enjoy a soccer game. If you're a soccer fan uh, of other players and other teams competing from different parts of the world and gaming is no different. And yeah, you're right, it's definitely growing. I think the reason that it's gotten so much attention over the past few years is because it is the fastest growing part of the uh, of the gaming industry. The gaming industry has been around for a very long time. It's one of the biggest entertainment industries in the world. And if we learned anything from COVID, we, we know that it's not going away. People still want to use games as a way to entertain themselves, socialize with their friends, meet new people, and that's not going to change anytime soon.
0: Absolutely. To bring up an example of like the language barrier, speedrunners they put their subtitles on Japanese to make them go by faster because like they can understand the game, which I I think is really amazing. And I think that anywhere you are, you can understand a game and like you can play and you can enjoy something that is just universal.
1: Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Actually, I did. I didn't realize that, but it makes a lot of sense. I've I watch some speed running streams on Twitch every once in a while. And it makes sense why they would use different languages just to get through the dialogue parts of the game much more quickly.
0: Yeah, it, it was interesting. I, I didn't realize that until a while, until like a little bit. I didn't know why they did. But, and, then I, and then I found out. And I was like, oh, that's cool.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, so moving on. For the audience, what's the name of your business? Just, you
1: know. Next up, esports.
0: Awesome. So next up, eSports for the audience, go check it out. It's amazing. So what's the goal of your business and what service does it provide?
1: Yeah, great question. So I'll give you a little bit of background on on like how we started or, or what the the origin story is. And I think it'll make a little bit more sense. So going back to like when I got started in eSports and everybody was asking the questions, what is traditional sports doing? better than esports right now? And how can we implement those best practices? And that is a trend that hasn't really stopped. So when I was working at a professional esports team, I continued to think, well, what are the other opportunities here? Because we're modeling our sponsorship sales platform, which is what I was doing. We're modeling that after traditional sports and digital media. What are the other areas of the video game world that we can take best practices from traditional sports and help improve the gaming community in some way. And I realized that there was a huge white space in the youth, recreational, and kind of amateur side of gaming, meaning that the way kids are introduced to video games is very different from the way they're introduced to traditional sports. In traditional sports, typically parents will sign their kids up for different teams, whether it's a soccer team or a t-ball, and they'll play and, you know, they show up to a field. And there's other players there that are their same age and skill level. There's a coach who's giving them guidance, teaching them the rules and the fundamentals of the game. And they have weekly practices and then weekly competitions against other kids, other teams who are in their program. uh, So they can test their skills out. But also a huge part of that is – So you have the learning experience of the actual skills, the in-game skills, but you also have the social development, the teamwork and leadership and communication skills that you learn from being on a team and working with a figure of authority and those kinds of things. So then I thought about, well, how did I start playing video games? And how are other kids playing video games around the country and around the world? Parents are often reluctant to buy systems for their children, whether it's a console, a PC, or even let them download games on their phone. And, but once they do, it's kind of a free for all. There's no structured program. It's, you know If you have Fortnite, you just start playing Fortnite. No one's telling you what buttons to press or how to build or what the strategy of the game is. You figure it out after a while and probably after dying a lot and not having such a great time. But you just learn through really trial and error. And the good players will figure it out more quickly than others but I just felt like that wasn't a a great way to learn. And second, I think that there's a really, um, a fundamental problem with online gaming right now, which is safety for everyone, but in particular kids who are playing. Because if you're playing a team-based game, which are often some of the most fun and the most competitive esports, you're partnered up with someone, some random person from across the country who you don't know. And for kids, you could be exposed to inappropriate communication and content from that person, whether it's just through swear words and stuff like that, or they're, you know, they're mean or degrading and making fun of you because maybe you're not so good. So it's just not a great experience. And I felt like the model that had been built in traditional sports did a really good job of solving those two problems, Uh, being productive for kids, learning the in-game skills, learning the social skills, but also doing so in a really safe place. You know, if we can model a youth gaming program after traditional sports, we can solve the online like safety issue, and we can make gaming a really productive way to spend time and not be purely um, entertainment focused. And so we've taken, I've studied Little League Baseball and AYSO Soccer and a number of other youth sports programs that i participated in and uh, that are just you know kind of around the, the, the area I live and taken those best practices, created basically a Little League for video games. So players will sign up, they're put on teams with other kids their age and their skill level. We find and train coaches who give instruction to the players during weekly practices and weekly games against other teams. So it's an awesome opportunity for kids to play with others who are their age, because that's oftentimes not possible, and to be able to compete with other people who are their skill level and not just play in tournaments online where they're going to get dominated and not have a lot of fun.
0: I feel like you're definitely providing kids with a lot of, with a way to play in an environment that is better than the one that they would face just online with a random person or just on their own. Because to be fair, online, anything really could happen. There's no guarantees as to what will or won't happen. Yeah. So someone could get on the mic shouting swears or things that a parent wouldn't want and regular sports is a much more reliable place to go to you'll always have a regular sport at your school and there'll always be tryouts and you can always just practice at the um the park that's like three blocks yeah. away right Whereas like esports, you have to have a console and a controller, and then and then you have to learn the game, and then I mean online gaming, you have to have a console and controller and like learn the game, and then like you can still get stomped online, and there can still be bad people online, yeah. and there's and there's no guarantee. Whereas you're creating an environment where it's way more easy to get into that, and I think that it's a perfect way to help kids get into um video games and help kids learn and grow and experience video games in a better way. Yep.
1: Yeah. You nailed it. That's exactly uh, that's exactly the mission that we're going for.
0: Thank you, very much. Thank you so much. So what do you think is missing in esports and uh, where can it grow?
1: Wow, that's a good question. So a big push in esports over the last few years has been to develop the in-person events. And that that's, you know, kind of broad in-person events could be. And, you know, small gatherings of people watching uh, you know, eSports competition, all the way up to a massive championship event where 20,000 people are in an arena watching. I am kind of on the fence on how I feel about that. So on one side, I love going to sporting events. I've been to plenty of big eSports events. And the energy you feel in those arenas, can't be substituted with anything that you can do online. So I I think that there's definitely opportunity there. Now, the on the other side, when you go to an eSports event, you're still watching the screen. In fact, it's the same screen that you would watch if you're at home watching on Twitch or YouTube. So I think that the thing that is missing and where I haven't seen a lot of development is on the event production side, creating more engagement or more reason for fans to want to show up to these events on a consistent basis, because it's easy to fill a 20,000 seat arena once a year, or maybe even twice a year, but it's going to be very difficult to do that. uh, You know, as many times as an NBA team or even, you know, MLS soccer in the United States, they have 17 home games a year. Can an eSports team located in Los Angeles, or maybe somewhere smaller like Phoenix, a smaller market like Phoenix, can they fill an arena that many times a year with fans and still de- and cultivate that amazing energy that fans want to go to watch their favorite team and their favorite players playing? So I think that um, the live event experience side of the business has a lot of work to do. I think there's a lot of people, smart people, who are who are chasing after this problem and are going to find some solutions. But from my perspective, it's the engagement with the fans and making it more fun to go there in person, more, more valuable to go there in person than to just watch from the comfort of your home.
0: I definitely know what you're talking about when you go to a sports game and you feel like all the energy, all the rush. And I definitely think that can't be substituted. So... If you really need to get people to continue to go, and and that is a big part of uh, sporting and esports as well, because yeah. those are kind of one in the same, and you want to have aspects of real sports in esports because real sports captivate their audience. I know that I go to a sporting event at least more than once a year, or. Or I go to like different sporting events often because of not only the game, but because of all the food and drinks there, all the energy yeah. and the audience, all just like the fact that you're there, you're there at the event. And and that's just an amazing feeling. So eSports has to learn how to reciprocate that. Yeah. In order where, where it is like really, really exciting. But they do need to learn how to make sure people come back and make sure people that they have people in the seats every single time that yeah. that there's an esports game.
1: You wanna give people that same feeling where it's like it's a really fun afternoon or nighttime activity. You know, even if because the example you just gave of going to a game has nothing to do with winning or losing, or your team winning or losing. You can still have an awesome time going to a game and having a drink and having a hot dog and hanging out with friends in a really cool environment. They, we need to figure out how esports competitions can be like that as well. How can that just be a really fun activity to go hang out and do on a Wednesday night? How do we price it properly too? Because are people going to be willing to do that for $250? I don't know. It seems expensive, but maybe will they do it for $30 or $40? maybe more likely. So it's finding them, I think providing fans with like a valuable experience and that's balancing what you're doing and the feelings you have there with the cost of doing that thing. I'll actually, I'll tell you a really cool um, story. I went to, uh, was it the 2016 league of legends finals championships worlds at Staples center, which is where the Clippers and the Lakers play and the Kings and the Sparks the premier uh, indoor arena in Los Angeles. So I spent $250 on a ticket. It was like mid-level. What I didn't realize was that actually the higher seats were better than the lower seats in this case because the players were on the arena floor, but the fans were watching the big screen on the Jumbotron above to watch the actual competition. So. The higher you were, the better, because you weren't uncomfortable looking at the screen. It was two Korean teams playing. So everybody there was a fan of League of Legends, but didn't necessarily know or watch these two teams regularly. They were two very good teams, obviously, in the championship, but had some of the best players in the world participating. The cool thing was, because nobody had any allegiances to either side, any time either team would do something good, people were going nuts. Instead of if it was like a home team and an away team, they would only get excited for the home team, the team that they were cheering for. No, this was different. Everybody was excited for every single moment of the game. And at that time, like there was more energy in the building than there was for any Lakers or Clippers game at that time, I think. Because those the two teams were excellent. They weren't doing that well. This place was rocking. It was it was it's actually I I believe, at least at the time, was the fastest ever sellout event in Ticketmaster history. There was that much interest in going to this event. It was crazy.
0: Yeah, great story. I think that people always show interest in these kinds of things. And like, if they have no one to root for, then just root for both sides and then and, and, and just have a good time. Yeah. And I think that this is a really good topic because it's so important in anything to just strike a balance between things that you're doing and to make sure that you have everything you need and to make sure that you're making the fans happy and make sure that they're coming back and to make sure, but also to make sure that you're getting funds and having the players be funded and stuff like that. And just the event itself being funded in the arena and just to have a balance of enjoyment and business. And um, also, and I think that it's also really important to get people back and to have them excite themselves. Because like when you're really excited at a game, it really just wants to make you come back. Yeah. It's really important to make sure that people enjoy what you're giving them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Provide them with a fun experience because that'll it'll make it so much easier the next time you have an event to get them to come back to that one.
0: Yeah, exactly. So where do you think gaming is headed?
1: Gaming in general, or like just casual gameplay or esports?
0: Anything. Anything esports or gaming in general. Or maybe both. Why don't you give us our opinions on both?
1: The gaming industry will, I mean, continue to grow because as people are become more digitally native or, and are using technology a younger age, I think that their interest and the ability to expose those people to, to video games will become much easier. Esports is in an interesting place because it is continuing to grow, but there is going to be, I think, a, a point in time in the next two to five years when we see a significant decrease in the companies that are participating in esports. Right now, like I said, the business models haven't really been figured out and and definitely not at scale. The majority of organizations uh, and teams in particular are losing money. Investors were happy to continue to providing, to provide funds because they feel like this is going to be the next big sports or sports platform that they can take advantage of and make money from. But revenue hasn't come as quickly as a lot of people thought. And so what happens is, as these companies continue to lose money, people are going to become a little bit more hesitant to give them money to fund the companies. And I think we're going to see some of the the teams or some of the organizations that aren't run as well or don't have the same kind of opportunities in the future, I think we'll see them start to die off. That's not a great thing because it may sour the, you know, the expectations of where esports can be from an investment perspective. So I'm a little wary of what happens then, but I do think the good teams will then kind of start to collect all of the revenue. They will then become sustainable. The business models will be, will be, will be well understood and I think a more slow but sustainable growth will come out of
0: that. Yeah, I think that in anything, some of the, the things that aren't as as big are bound to fall off a little bit. In gaming, not all of the indie studios are going to get picked up. And In sports, I mean... Not all sports, like like, there were some like really obscure sports that didn't even get picked that that never got popular. We only have about five like main sports that you would think of now. Like when you say sports, you would of like soccer, basketball, like football, maybe like volleyball, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, no, I I think you're right. And the indie game studio is a good example. It's really hard to make a good game. It's hard to to build a good competitive esports business right now. But as more money comes in, there will be more money to go around. Right now, it's a very small pie being divided up so many times that no one's really full. But when the pie grows, more people will be able to create sustainable organizations because there's more money there for them.
0: Absolutely. So do you think that VR games will eventually replace console games?
1: I don't know about replace, but I think they'll have... Well, I think VR and console will likely merge because VR, you need some in-home technology to actually run those games. And I could foresee a future where the console is that hardware and you can play a game with a controller or a VR headset or a combination of the two. And the thing that's really holding VR back is that I don't think people want to buy the, the hardware, the and it's expensive hardware to run these games. And uh, so once that happens and, or it just becomes more affordable to buy the hardware, then I think you'll start to see it take off a lot more. But the console games are proven. The hardware is proven. Some of it's even multipurpose. I know a lot of people who use that hardware, PlayStations and Xboxes for their DVD players, when that was like still really a big thing. I, I could see them merging or the VR becoming an extension of the console.
0: I think that you have a have a good idea of what it is. I feel like even though VR could be on the move, it does have a lot of, like, attachable parts. And, like, and oftentimes it's played in a home, right? Which is why, yeah. like, you can, like, sometimes you'll see people, like, with holes in their walls from playing, like, Beat Saber or something. Like, they're, like, moving sticks on the like, hole in the wall. So, like...
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, I love that video. Yeah. So, um... But with that comes like the idea that consoles are also yeah at home systems so they can definitely be combined because like
1: Mm -hmm.
0: things like the nintendo switch are more portable than like vr headsets and stuff the the joy cons and stuff yeah Um, and like the switch you can play in the car you can play in your chair you can like do it anywhere like the rift you either you have to be standing up or you have to have at least a little space around you and you're moving around and stuff and you have to have uh, certain variables that you might not have everywhere right yeah so i think that vr games and console games may emerge because of just the how vr is a genre that while it could be portable it also has another thing where it, it's virtual reality and that's kind of its thing it doesn't have to just be portable and consoles aren't portable either so the combination makes sense
1: yeah and I think we'll see a lot more developments on the, on the hardware technology that will make it easier. I mean, we've already seen a lot where you know they used to be, the headsets had to be connected by a cable to a really high powered gaming computer. Now you no longer need that, right? Now I think you can go wireless or there's sometimes the backpacks that they have. Um, also the sensor technology, posting those sensors up all around your room, wherever you're playing VR, can take can be a little bit tricky so i think there will be a lot of developments on that side where maybe you don't need you don't need the uh the sensors any longer right and maybe the sensors are in the if it's connected to an xbox that's all you need the vr headset essentially becomes just a different type of controller for a different type of game
0: exactly yeah i think that makes sense that kind of design makes sense yeah any words of advice for me as a young gamer
1: I think as you continue to explore and figure out your place in the gaming community, do what makes you happy and continue to explore the things that you find fun and you're passionate about. The really cool thing about the gaming community, which is different from a lot of other professional industries, is that people are doing this because they want to. Nobody was forced into a job in gaming. And there's a lot of other industries that people just don't want to work there and they don't like the kind of work that they're doing. And that's just, uh, I think as a pretty broad generalization, isn't the case in video games. So figure out what you like to do and continue to explore and just get really good at that. I think ultimately you have a better possibility uh, at being the best at something if you enjoy doing it. And not to say that means like being a pro player, but you can be the best Podcast host, if you enjoy hosting podcasts. If you don't like hosting podcasts, it's going to be really hard to be the best podcast host. But the same goes for graphic design and social media management and team management and tournament operations. You know, if you enjoy doing something, I think you're going to be much happier and find a lot more fulfillment in your day to day if you enjoy doing it. Yeah. Wow. Thank
0: you. I really do enjoy doing this podcast. So. I'm totally gonna stick with it, and also um, I really like um, the position of game writer. I'm thinking a lot on that, so maybe game writer. Game writer, yeah.
1: Cool.
0: So maybe those will come to fruition. So, but till thank you so much for the positive, um, the positive reinforcement about gaming. Last thing, what do you want my audience to know that I haven't asked you already?
1: It's a good question if there's any parents listening know that there are better ways for your kids to play video games and that they shouldn't be viewed as uh as a negative part of their lives uh their lives it's absolutely uh, a way to make friends develop relationships get better at teamwork and leadership skills that's why we founded next up esports and uh, this isn't a plug for the company it's more of a a push for parents to be more open-minded when thinking about the activities that their kids are passionate about. Oh,
0: yeah, and you can plug your company. Don't, don't even worry. Oh, no, can
1: I plug that now, too? Go go
0: ahead.
1: Yeah! Yeah, if there's any uh, parents of 7 to 15-year-olds out there whose kids are interested in video games, we have leagues, camps, <clears throat> after-school classes, in a variety of games, all of the most popular ones, and we'll continue to add those. We're, we're very affordable. Our goal is to uh, provide and create accessibility in the esports space and provide these really unique and awesome experiences for kids of all backgrounds. So um, check out our website. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me via email or on Twitter or Instagram.
0: Yeah. And that is just amazing. I think that you're, as, as I said before, I think that you're providing great space for kids to play games. And uh, I think that you're doing a great job. So yeah. Um, We're at the end of the podcast, so thank you so much for being on my podcast.
1: Of course. Thank you for the invitation. I enjoyed the time with you.
0: Luke, I think that's about all the time we have. I want to thank you for coming on the show. I'm so glad you were able to discuss how you can transition your career from traditional sports to esports and video gaming. You showed our listeners that there are many ways to have a career in sports and that esports and video games offer some new and exciting opportunities. For those listening, please make sure you follow Luke on all of his social media platforms. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Gamer Story Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend and subscribe, rate, right? and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback from me, you can reach me directly at aGamerStory.com. Thanks for listening.